Grab your Bibles if you would, turn to John 16. John 16, we're going to read 12 through 15. So I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. And when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So at the end of John chapter 14, they have been in the upper room. They have participated in the Lord's Supper. Jesus has been teaching. At the end of John 14... Jesus says, rise, let us go from here. And so they begin to leave an upper room somewhere in the city of Jerusalem. And they begin to make their journey together as a group of 11 men with, with Jesus, 12 of them. Judas has already gone. Um, he's gone to the religious leaders. He will meet up with them again for his great betrayal um, a little bit later in the Garden of Gethsemane. But as they walk, Jesus is pouring out some of the most significant things that have ever been spoken on the planet. Just incredible things about abiding in Him. Um, he introduces things in John 14 about the Holy Spirit. He, he speaks of just a number of realities of things that we need to know. And this is a walk that they are taking together. And He is sharing His heart with them and communicating to them the things that they need to know in regard to the days ahead. And so um, He shared with them in John 15 that the world hates Him hates the Father, and it's going to hate them. It's going to throw them out of the synagogues. He's been telling them that he's leaving, he's going to go away, and their hearts are saddened and they're sorrowful and they're trying to process. And Jesus has more things to say to them, uh, but they're not going to be able to handle it all. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. But there's some important things to say. So all weekend long with the students, we talked about what's, what was the theme? Make it matter. Oh, my gosh, did y'all listen? Okay, anyway. It's called Make It Matter. So we're talk, talking about making your life matter. And so students, I want to say to you that what we're going to look at today, this is the one key thing that's going to help you. All the things you heard this weekend and for the rest of your lives, when you get married, when you date, um, in your work life, all of these things that we're going to talk about today will be the foundation that will help you see to it that your life matters for what really counts. We are all going to give our life to all kinds of things give our time to them, give our passion, give our tears, our emotions, our strength. But there's one thing that's going to sustain us, and it's what Jesus is going to give to us today, and that is the authority of the Word of God that will get us through anything that we may face. And I realize in a room like this this morning, there's a lot of stuff that's brought into a place like this. And we can put on a good face today and and act like everything is totally okay, but we know inside that life may be crumbling. And I have a word for you today, if that's the case. What I want to share today from the mouth of Jesus is what will sustain you. It's what will help you. And that is that the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us into all of the truth. And all of the truth that you and I need is found in the Word of God to help us in any and every situation. Amen? We're not in this alone. We're not here needing Shakespeare to speak to us today. We're not in here today 
or any kind of philosopher, or any kind of king, any kind of noble person. What we need today is for the living God to speak and for us to lean in to what has been said to us in the written text and to embrace it. So there is a great ministry of the Holy Spirit for us in our lives. And so with all these things that Jesus has been speaking as they are walking, um, they will come to know them, they will come to experience them, they will come to remember them, but on this night it's going to be difficult for them. And so they're thinking to themselves, if Jesus is gone and all we've known is this life with Him for three years, and if He's going to go away, how do we continue to live this life in a way in which we have lived it walking with Him? What kind of future are they going to have? They're thinking, if He's gone. And Jesus has been sharing with them, it is to your advantage that I go away. It's going to be better for you that I go away because if I go away, a helper is going to come who will indwell you, he will be around you, and he will help you in every kind of way. And so we're going to talk about another aspect of that reality today. So last week was all about what is the Holy Spirit doing in the world today. And so we saw last week that the Holy Spirit has three primary purposes that he does in the world today. He convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, he's, he's at work constantly all over the globe today showing people that they are sinners before God and that they need a righteousness. See, so he's convicting them not only of sin, but also showing them con- concerning righteousness, that they need a righteousness that's not their own, and that righteousness is that they need the righteousness of Christ. And so if they don't repent of their sin and they don't embrace the righteousness of Christ who died in our place, then there's a judgment. The role of the Holy Spirit is to convince people and share with people there's a judgment that hangs over your life Because you have rejected Jesus. So last week was all about this is what he's doing in the world to bring about salvation. Everything that we're going to see this morning is about what is he doing in the church? What is his role in the church? What is his role in our lives? And so let's look at this reality. And the first point I want to talk about this morning is I want to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in our sanctification. So we come to know Christ in salvation. From that moment forward, we begin to grow in our relationship, and that's called sanctification, is our growing in godliness and Christ's likeness. And so Jesus speaks about that. Look with me in verse 12. So again, they're walking, and he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Let me talk about, first of all, just what this phrase, cannot bear them now. Now, in my younger days, I had better toned muscles, um, They're not as toned as they used to be. But I used to pick up stuff. I had some strength. But this idea here is, it's it's the idea of whether you're strong, really strong or not, or whether you become somebody like me. If you pick up a big rock, and it's really heavy, it's not going to take very long to where you can't do anything with it. And that's what this word means. It means picking up a big rock with your hands, trying to hold it, but not able to really hold it. This is what Jesus is saying to him. So listen to what he says. I've got a lot more things to say to you about faith, about righteousness, about walking with me, about knowing the Father. But you're not going to be able to hold on to them now. They're so heavy, they're weighty, that you're not going to be able to grab them. And so I'm going to tell them to you anyway, but I want you to know how you're going to remember these things, how you're going to get to the place. And they will, 
because we do that too. There are some really weighty things in the Scripture that early on in my faith I couldn't hold them. They were heavy and I didn't understand them. But now that I've walked with the Lord for a long time, there are things that I understand and I can, I can hold on to those things. And so for every one of us, this is the case um, for us. And so on this night, he tells them, listen, I've got more things to say to you, but right now you're not going to be able to hold them. They're just kind of big, but there's someone who's going to come, and I've been telling you about him, and when he comes, he will indwell you, and you will be able to handle more things that I am share with you. So one of the great privileges that the 11 had and that you and I have is that the Word of God was spoken to them and the Word of God has come to you and I in our lives. And the certainty that God speaks still through His Word, um, we will see today, and I want to tell us confidently right now that we can trust in the Scripture that has come to us, that the Word of God is true, and it's one of the greatest things that you and I possess and you and I can have in our lives. So the Holy Spirit would birth the church and he would begin to speak through the church and through the writers of the New Testament to begin to get God's words into the churches. And so here we are on this February 6th, 2022. And one of the most incredible things that has happened in the history of the world is that God is a speaking God. He spoke through prophets. He spoke through people. And they wrote these things down. And for thousands of years, God has preserved His Word and it has come to us. And we can stake our life and know that what is here is absolutely true. And the reason it is absolutely true is because the Holy Spirit has been deeply involved in every single aspect of what has come to us. This is not man's invention. This is not some government, some king, some noble person. But God himself has written the scripture through men that has come to us. And so as we begin to grow in our sanctification, the Holy Spirit is the one who is at work doing these things. Now I want to ask you to look at a verse with me. Turn to your right to the book of Hebrews for a moment. Go to Hebrews chapter 5. So the Holy Spirit is at work in our sanctification. Jesus tells them, I still have many things to say to you. You're going to get more words. You can't bear them now, but we will continue, or we will be able to bear them. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, and then we'll go back to John 16. Hebrews 5, 11. So about this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. That's another picture of the scripture there. Since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So let me just share this for a moment, and we'll go back to John chapter 16. So you've got a group of people. They're Jewish believers. They're having a hard time leaving things connected to their Jewish roots, their Jewish faith. They become Christ. They're part of a church. 
and they're wrestling with things, and they've been in around the preaching and the teaching of the New Testament, of Christ, of pictures in the Old Testament of Jesus. And so they've been learning about Jesus for maybe a number of years now. But they've gotten to a place now where they haven't moved on, and the reason they haven't moved on is that their life, I got my mod cup this morning, mod pizza, I like mod pizza, great. And I put some milk in my mod pizza cup this morning so that you could see that. They have, those Hebrew Christians, and even people today, spend their entire Christian life just drinking milk. Now, I like milk. I like strawberry milk, and I like chocolate milk better, but I like milk. But I really like other things besides this. Now, I want you to get the picture of what the writer of Hebrews is saying and what we're going to talk about this morning. Maybe you're here today and your whole Christian life has been just about drinking milk. And you're like what the writer of Hebrews says, you're still a child in your faith. That's not to be critical. He's not trying to be critical. I'm not trying to do that. It's just the reality because all you've done is drink milk. And if you'll notice what he says there, he says, because you've forgotten the basic oracles of God, you still need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk, listen to this, is unskilled to understand the word of righteousness, unskilled to understand what the Bible's teaching and calling us how to live our lives. You're unskilled in the word of righteousness, and since he is a child. So that's one picture. So my alarm went off at 5 o'clock this morning. My son Dylan came to our house last weekend, and he brought meat. Don't bring meat to someone's house and leave it and then go back to your house. So he left it. So I've been cooking his meat all week long. So at 5 o'clock this morning, I cooked some of his meat. Now, so what I have before you this morning, and I'll kind of hold it up. It is a real piece of meat. It's beet. It's a pork chop. It is smoked paprika, honey-glazed pork chop. And I tasted it at about 5.30 this morning when things were all done, and it's really good. And I'm not sharing any with anybody afterwards, okay? But I want you to, I want you to look at the picture here. Everybody in the room this morning, it doesn't matter, everybody in the room this morning, our spiritual diet, if you were a follower of Jesus, is either, for the most part, strictly milk, and you've remained as a child, or you've gotten to a place where you're like, no, give me stuff that matters. I want to chew on the weighty things about the nature and the character of God. I want to know the depth of who He is. I want to walk with Him, and I want to know Him. And so, how do you get to this place? Well, the writer of Hebrews says you get to this place where you eat this kind of meat by constantly training your life and practicing the Scripture. You see, God didn't speak for us just to hear it. God spoke so that we would live it. And when He speaks and we embrace it and we live it, then we begin to enjoy the depth of things. Look at this thing. This is what we fed your kids today. I like this. I had one in between services. But you can't live on this. And there are many people in and around the church today that just want, just give me 
all of the good sounding things in the Bible, don't ever challenge me, please. Because I just have a sweet tooth for the sweet essence of God's word. And God's word is great. It is sweeter than honey, the writers say. But I want to just challenge us as a people, as a student ministry. Students, you need to get this, that your life is dependent upon not drinking this for the rest of your spiritual life. Your life is dependent upon reading the Word of God, listening as I preach, listening to your small group leaders on Wednesday night, listen to your parents as they teach you the Word of God, listening to the Word and living it. Every adult in the room, we need to quit being children spiritually. We need to hear this challenge today, that we need to hear the Word of God, listen to the Word of God, and say, no, I'm going to live the Word of God. And we will grow up, and we will be ready to face whatever comes. And things are coming. They will come, and we will be ready for those things when we listen to the Word and we live out the Word. And so there's a sanctification process that happens. It happened with the eleven. Jesus tells them, listen, I want to... I've got some more things to say to you, but you cannot hold it. It's too weighty. It's too heavy for you. And so then he moves to the next thing. And he moves to the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers in the life of the church. Now look with me in verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. So if you're taking notes, we're, we're going to kind of just walk through this. And I want, to, I, want to, I want to show us this logical reasoning and this logical statements, very clear statements that Jesus gives in regard to the Holy Spirit. And the first thing that he says is that the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. So let's talk about the Spirit of truth just for a moment. So let's go back to John 14, 6. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And and Jesus says, Thomas, yeah, you do know where I'm going. I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. So Jesus calls himself the truth. Now notice what he says here in John chapter 16. I I am the truth. I am going to go away. And a helper is going to come to help you. And when he comes, you need to know this. He is the spirit of truth. He will be just like me. I am truth. When he comes, he will be just like me, for he is the spirit of truth. And so Jesus is sharing with them, I am going away and I am the truth. But you need to know this, that when he comes, he will be exactly as I am. He will continue to speak the truth to you in your lives. And this happened with the eleven. So they're in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit to come at Pentecost. They were obeying Jesus and they're waiting. The spirit comes. As tongues of fire lands on them, fills them, they move from a place of waiting to hitting the streets immediately. You know what they do immediately? They begin to talk and proclaim in the streets on that day of Pentecost the glory of who Christ is. Peter, who wrestled so much, stands up on that day and preaches this incredible sermon, spirit-filled, led sermon, and thousands of people come to faith on that day. Not because Peter's great, but because the Holy Spirit's great. And the Holy Spirit's role is in the proclamation of the truth to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And what the church needs, 
always more than anything is the clear proclamation of the hope that is found and the power that is found in the word of God. So he is the spirit of truth. Here's the next thing on your outline. And as the spirit of truth, he guides all believers into all the truth. He will guide believers into all the truth. So John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, here's what he will do. He will guide you. Don't miss these four words. Into all, all. What does all mean? That's a response question. What does all mean? Are we in agreement that all means all? Okay. All means all. He will guide you into all the truth. Not a truth of many, not one truth of many, but he will guide you into all the truth. This word guide means to lead you to truth, or he is the way to truth. So when he comes, Jesus says he's going to guide you into the truth, or he will be the way to truth. And look what he will lead them into as he leads us. He will lead them and us into all the truth. So hear this this morning. This book that you have in your lap, or you have on your phone, or your tablet, these words, they are All of the truth that God wanted us to know. Here they are. We're not waiting on a fresh book. We don't need a new book. The Holy Spirit's role was when He came, He would guide the writers of the New Testament into all of the truth. They would write that down and it would come to us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So all the truth God wanted you and I to know is in the New Testament Scriptures and is in the Old Testament Scriptures. Did you hear that? All the truth that you and I need to know is found in the New Testament Scriptures and in the Old Testament Scriptures. So I want you to listen to this for a moment. You can go ahead and go back to John 16. I want to to share with you for a moment what Jesus thought about the Old Testament. Oh, man, I'm having a hard time turning here. Listen to what Jesus said about the Old Testament. He said, where is it? Hang on, I'm getting there. Here we go. This is Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them. But do y'all remember what he said? To fulfill them. For truly I say to you, listen to to the significance of this. Until heaven and earth pass away, until they're gone, you need to know this. Not an iota, not a dot in the written text will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. And then he gives this great affirmation here. He says, therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to relax them and do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does these and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is, he didn't have, he didn't have the gospel of Matthew. He, he is the gospel of Matthew. So what was, what Bible did Jesus have? Jesus had the Bible that was the Old Testament. And so here's Jesus saying, I affirm the Old Testament, led by the Spirit, 
spoken through the prophets that has come to me. And then you also need to know this, that when the Spirit comes, He's going to guide you into all of the truth. Not 80%, 90%. He is going to guide you into all of the truth. So as we read the New Testament, as we read these words and we see this reality, they have come to us by the Holy Spirit, who is the same as Jesus. Jesus is the truth. The Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And He guides us into all of the truth. So I've been to, had the privilege, we lived in Europe for four years. We could get in our car and we could be in Paris in five and a half hours. That's a pretty good place to live. So we would go sometimes over to Paris and go to the Louvre. I don't know if you've ever been to the Louvre before, but it's this magnificent place. I like art. And it's this huge place that we've never been able to walk all through it in a single day. You need multiple days. Uh, when we went four, four years ago, Pam and I went on that trip. Um, we went again, and I have a fam- famous painting there that I love. It's when it's a big, big, huge painting where they, the coronation of... Uh, of one of the emperors of, of France, and it's just, it's just incredible, and, it, and it's just an amazing thing. And that hallway was shut off, and I tried to convince this lady, can I please go in? I just, I just want to glance at the painting one more time, because I, I used to just sit there and just watch it for 20 minutes, and I loved walking through that. I don't know if you like museums or not, but museums, I, in my opinion, are awesome. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit is like. We have 27 books in the New Testament, and we have 39 books in the Old Testament. And you know what the Spirit does? He takes us down all these hallways, and He comes to this room, and it's called the book of Galatians, and in the book of Galatians, He reveals the glory of Christ in this. There's another place called Corinth. The church was started by Paul. That church had issues. Paul wrote back to them, hearing about their issues and deal with that. So when we read 1 Corinthians, the Holy Spirit takes us to this great room called 1 Corinthians and then 2 Corinthians and He shows us the glory. We're reading the book of Hosea right now as a church. I'm loving reading it. Got to kind of dig deeper. Prophets come a little harder sometimes to understand. But the truth that we are seeing in the book of Hosea right now is amazing. And this is what the Holy Spirit's like. He is the guide bringing us into all of these books, all of these hallways, these glorious rooms of the Scripture And he reveals to you and I the truth. Now our world will tell you and I today that there's not a real truth. You can just make up your own truth. You can have whatever truth that you want to have. Just believe it, embrace it, live for it. And that is a lie. Jesus here says there is one truth. He is the truth. The Father is the truth. The Word is truth. And the Spirit is truth. And so our responsibility now as followers of Christ is to see that the Spirit's role is to guide us into every aspect of the truth of God. And He takes us in these glorious things called the books of the Bible, all 66 of them. By the way, we don't need a 67th book. We do not need a 68th book. Notice what Jesus says here. When the Spirit comes, He is going to guide you into all the truth. Don't miss the point here. What is He talking about? Guide you into all the truth. He will guide them into all of the New Testament truth that will eventually be written. That's what He's referring to. That would come so that they would know 
how to live life. So the spirit of truth, he guides believers into all truth. But when he speaks the truth, he doesn't speak on his own authority. Now, I have a, it's not a trick question, and I'll tell you what the answer is. It's yes, okay? Does the Holy Spirit have absolute authority? That, that was weak. Does the Spirit have absolute authority? Yes. So why here does it say that he will not come and speak on his own authority? It's glorious. So when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and he began to indwell believers, he wasn't going to do things on his own, separate from the Father and separate from the Son. When he came here, he was going to do things absolutely in line with the Father, absolutely in line with the Son. So the Father, Son, and the Spirit do things exactly in line with one another. So when he speaks, he speaks authoritatively, but not independently. He would speak the words of the Father that the Father gave to Jesus. Remember what Jesus said? We've seen this all through the Gospel of John. Jesus said, I only do what the fa- I see my Father doing, and I only say what I hear my Father say. I, Jesus said, I do nothing of my own accord. Now watch this. That's the way Jesus lived. So when he goes and he sits at his place of power in heaven and the Spirit comes, the Spirit will be just like Jesus. He's not going to come and just speak on his own authority and say whatever. He's going to say everything in line with the Father and the Son. So there's a unity that is connected to the Godhead. And so Jesus says, listen, I am going away. But he will come and he will do the same thing that I have been doing. But he will actually do more and he's going to reveal more to you. Because what he hears, he will speak. So look, look at our outline. He's the spirit of truth. He's going to guide believers into all of the truth, not lacking any truth. He will speak the truth, but he will not speak it from his own authority. He will speak it in line with the Father and the Son. And here's the next one. He will speak what he hears. So the Spirit heard, spoke, and the Word of God came to the people of God. So the Spirit speaks only what He heard from the Father and the Son. And so as He inspired the writers of the New Testament, He led them to write the words that He had heard. Here's the next part of the outline, the last part of this point. And He will declare the things that are to come. He will declare to you the things that are to come. So... Am I okay here, Mike? I'm okay right here? Okay, I can, I can go wherever I want to, right? But people in there wouldn't be able to see me. So I want you to see this. And again, I, this is a little bit different kind of talk. I get that because Jesus is really teaching us weighty things about the importance of the Spirit who resi- resides in our life. And it is absolutely critical that we know what the Spirit does in the world and what the Spirit does in the church and in our lives. So he would... Jesus would go away, the Spirit would come, He would indwell the believers, they would start the church, early days of the church, they would preach and they would teach, and I can't get there, I'll get right here, and they would teach, the apostles would, what they heard from Jesus. But there came a point in time where Matthew was somewhere, and the Spirit moved in Matthew And he wrote this gospel called Matthew. There was a time when John Mark 
was led by the Spirit to write the Gospel of Mark. Luke, who wasn't there in the beginning of the Gospel ministries, but was there with the book of Acts, but knew all of, the, all of those that walked with Jesus, and he wrote the Gospel. John was a follower. So I want you to see this. When Jesus says here that he will declare the things that are to come, what is he referencing? And there's no doubt what he's referencing here. When the Spirit would come, he would declare the things that are to come in the New Testament writings. And as he declared the things to be written that have come to us in these 27 books of the New Testament, he is guiding us into all of the truth that you and I need for our lives. So if your heart is sunk today, and something in your life has just exploded and your life is crumbling or it feels like that, I have news for you that the word of God is a healing. It is a strength. It is a power. If you're here today and you're like, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know what, what to do. And I've got this situation to think about. I want you to know this, that the Holy Spirit guides us into the truth and he guides us into all the truth, and this truth and his leadership is the way. He guides us into the way of truth. And again, we are not waiting for something new to come. We have all that we need. And so when Jesus says to them on this walk on this Thursday night, and he says, listen, when he comes, he's going to declare to you the things that are to come. He's going to declare to them the things that they needed to write down and the things they needed to base and ground the church in. So what are the, some of the things that were yet to come? Well, I believe that, no doubt, is the Scripture had not been written. And Jesus said these words, there was not one New Testament book that had been written. And so I believe that's a reference to that. Secondly, I think the things that are come is that he will complete the teaching of Jesus. You can go back to the words a while ago, I've got more things to say to you now, but you can't bear them. But when he comes, he's going to guide you into those things. There'll be more things that he's going to give us. Thirdly, I believe this partially also talks about the great commission work. That when the Spirit came, the gospel began to go forth. They began to share the gospel and people began to come to faith and trust in Christ as Savior. He will also be, we've got this book at the very end. It's called Revelation. And it tells us what's to come. What's going to come? What's the end going to be like? How do we know what, what it's going to be like at the very end? Well, this, this guy named John was persecuted. and He was put on an island, a prison island called Patmos. And when I was there one day, John, in Revelation 1, John says, I was worshiping on the Lord's day, and he heard something behind him. And when he turned around, guess who had come to the island? Jesus himself. And he reveals himself, and he writes this thing called the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Please know this, that the book of Revelation, though it is about end times, that's not its purpose. It is the revelation of Jesus. And the Spirit wrote that book so that we would know about the things that are to come. So at this church, we are people of one book. One book alone. And it's this book. Every why, why do we want to be a church of one book? Because the Spirit is behind all of this. This is what He wants us to teach. He wants us to teach one book. 
66 beautiful rooms showing and revealing the incredible glory of God as the Spirit guides us into all of those things. And so the significance of the New Testament is that there would be no understanding of Jesus, no understanding of the words of Jesus, no understanding of how do you do church, how do you do marriage, if the Spirit hadn't spoken and things hadn't been written down for us. So just a couple more thoughts here, and then we're going to finish up. Let's look at the next thing. Look at verse 14. We're going to verse 15. I'll just touch on a couple things here in verse 14. And he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine, and he will declare it to you. Let me remind you a definition of glorify, even though we probably know what that means. The word glorify means this. It means to honor someone, to extol someone, to lift them up and and to, to honor them and give great honor to them, or to magnify them, to make much of them. So why do we do week after week what we do here? Why do we do when we, on our long commute, some of you got long commutes, why do you listen to preaching and listen to the word of God? Why did I last night when I woke up at two and I couldn't go back to sleep and unplugged my phone and I went to YouTube and I have these things there where this real soft music's played and this real soothing voice is reading the word of God and I just sat it next to my ear and I stayed awake listening to the reading of God's word. Why do we, why do, we do this? We do this for this reason, that what has come to us into the, by, in the scriptures, that has come to us by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Every time we preach, every time we read, every time we listen, every time we have a discussion about it, guess what happens? You know what the Holy Spirit does? He magnifies Jesus. He extols Jesus. He lifts Jesus up. He praises Jesus. So that's why when we get together in groups here on Sunday mornings, we talk about the Bible. Why? Because we're people of one book. And we're people of one book for this reason. Because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit designed it that we would have one book. And that we would know all of the truth that you and I need to know for every aspect of our lives. I remember back when we found out that Pam had cancer about six years ago now. You know, those initial days when cancer enters into your life and you're thinking about what does this mean in the future. Um, somebody who loves her sent her a book, and it was a book of sayings, Christian sayings. And I tell you, if you've ever been there where you're just really, really desperate, You don't need sayings. You need God's word. There's a lot of good sayings out there. I'm a huge Spurgeon fan. I don't apologize that I put Spurgeon quotes on the Facebook page all the time. But Spurgeon was just a man. And I don't need Spurgeon's words. They help me. They've helped me. I and you need God's word. 
That's what we need more than anything else. And every time we preach in here, you know what the Spirit's doing? He's magnifying Jesus. He's extolling Jesus. So we must be people of one book that has 66 great treasure trove places that the Spirit guides us to to see the truth of who God is. Lastly, this morning, is the work of the Holy Spirit is deeply involved in the declaration of who God is and what belongs to God. So look at 15. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that He will take what is mine and He will declare it to you. Let's read it again, 15. All that the Father has, Jesus says, it's mine, it's been given to me. Therefore I said that He, speaking of the Spirit, when He comes, He will take what is mine that the Father has given to me and He will declare it to you. Do you see the Trinitarian focus there? The Father's mentioned, the Son's mentioned, and the Spirit is mentioned. So these are three distinct persons, one God. So all that the Father has, therefore, belongs to the Son. So in this oneness, when the Spirit takes what is the Son's and the Father's, and the Spirit makes it known to us in the declaration of the Word of God and the truth of God, it comes to us in this great hope that we have in the New Testament Scriptures, that we would know who God is is. I want to give four closing statements as we finish this morning. Therefore, in light of all of this, that when the Spirit comes, He was going to, he was going to motivate and move, not motivate, He would move in the writers to write the New Testament. And he would write the things that needed to come to us so that we would be guided into all of the truth. If that's the case, and it is the case, that's what Jesus said on this walk with the eleven on this night. Since that is the case, therefore the Scripture must become our everything to know God. That must become the foundation of how we know God. Not other books, but the foundation of how we come to know God is the Scripture. And then there are other books that can aid us in that, but those other books better line up with the Scripture. Because if they don't, we need to stay away from them. So because the Spirit is behind the writing of all the truth that has come to us. It must become everything for us. Secondly, I want to emphasize this again. We have, we, we are guided, Jesus says here, into all of the truth. Can we say that together? Can y'all not wimp out like you did a while ago when I asked you to say something? I want us to say, He guides us into all the truth. Y'all ready? He guides us into all the truth. So that means this afternoon, you have a need, there's truth for that need. If, If you wake up in the middle of the night like I did last night, there are words for nights like that when you can't sleep and you're just overwhelmed with life. When you don't know what to say, when persecuted believers today are about to lose their life and they testify to the glory of Christ in that moment, the Spirit's giving them words in that moment to say what needs to be said. He guides us into all of the truth. How great is that? 
I'm not lacking anything. You aren't lacking anything for direction. Thirdly, the Scripture, I just remind us, the Scripture is from the Father to the Son through the Holy Spirit two writers who wrote it down. It does not have its origin with man. The Father spoke. Jesus let the writers told the eleven those words. The Spirit came, reminded them of the words of Jesus. It even gave them more. And then lastly, well, let me say this with three. They all say the same things. The Father's not going to say something that contradicts the Son. The Spirit's not going to say something that contradicts the Father. They say the same thing. Lastly, this is a heavy one, and we need to hear it. Therefore, because of what Jesus says here, and because this is absolutely true, that if you reject the Scriptures, then you are rejecting the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. You affirm them. You are affirming and embracing the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. You've probably talked to people like this. Students, I guarantee you, you probably have. And I've talked to people like this <clears throat> as I share the gospel and have conversations with people. I'll ask them the question, so do you believe the Bible? And just about every one of them will say this. I believe the Bible. Sometimes I meet a very antagonistic person for the most part. I still meet people and they say, yeah, I believe the Bible. And then I ask a follow-up question. So you affirm every word that's in the Bible. Well, I, no, no, I, don't, I don't really affirm every word that's in the Bible. But I believe the Bible, but I don't affirm every word that's in the Bible. And sometimes I ask, so you think it has errors in it and we can't really trust it. Yeah, but I thought you said you believe the Bible. So how can it have errors? Now, I want to make this point as we finish. To reject the Scriptures means you reject the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Here's why I mean that. I affirm what Jesus says here today. That He's truth. He went away. The Spirit of truth came. He guided believers into all the truth because He is the truth. And He can't do anything but the truth. And so He guided. He, he moved in men to write the New Testament. He moved in the Old Testament prophets to write those books. He moved in Moses in writing all of that, he's, he's, the, he's the writer of the Bible in bringing the Word to us. To say that the Bible has errors is to cast dispersions or to say to either the Father, Son, or the Spirit that they have made a mistake and that they are in error in regard to the Scripture that has come to us. And all three of the Trinity are not cause for error. They are the truth. And the truth has come to us. So I'm going to come back to this. What describes, oh my goodness, I should have, I should have taped that on there, but anyway. What describes your faith? And again, I'm not being critical. I just want to call you to something more. Don't you want me to call you to something more? What describes our faith? If a life of milk, you might could hang in there and get by for a while. 
But if you want to grow up to be mature, this is the kind of stuff that you got to eat. You got to chew on. In practice, you got to listen and live, listen and live, listen and live. And your life will matter, students. If you will listen to the Word of God and live it out, even in the midst of a culture that says, that's stupid. There's no such thing as truth. I'm telling you today, Jesus says here, there is a spirit of truth. He is the truth. And He led the writers, this book that has come to us. This is everything you need, students. Right here is everything you need for the rest of your life. Everything you need right now and for the remainder of your life. And every adult in this room, everything that we need has gloriously, incredibly come to us by the eternal nature and power and authority of the Father who spoke, of the Son who spoke the Father's words, and the Spirit who guided believers to know the truth. And He guided men to write this down. Get in it, get in it, get in it, eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it. This is where life is found. This is what we need. Let's pray.